Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. You remember that song? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I am really glad the Lord saved me tonight. Aren't you glad tonight you're saved? Saved from sin and death, the curse of sin and death. Saved from wrath. Redeemed by the very blood of Jesus. You know, um, I'm grateful to God that he loved us so much that he would give us his greatest gift. That God showed us such a demonstration of love that he would give us everything by giving us his son. I'd give anything, but I wouldn't give my children Hmm? You mamas and dads agree with me? You wouldn't give your children, but God gave his. God gave his son. And that's a love that is hard to understand, hard to comprehend. But once it's received, praise God, then we come into this wonderful, powerful, beautiful relationship with God that Jesus came to bring us into a right relationship with God to restore his image, those made in his image. Amen. And I'm grateful to God tonight to be saved, filled with the Spirit, and to be in church with you. God is good. And how many of you are glad tonight to know this truth, that God is on your side? Hmm? He's on your side. He's not an angry God. Oh, no. He's not an angry God looking at a sinful world, contrary to legalistic preaching. He is a happy God looking at a reconciled world because his son, God, was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself. Praise God. Amen. I just, wanted, I just want my preacher friends to get this good news in their mouths and preach it from their pulpits. Amen. God is not mad at the world. God loves the world. Amen. And so he loves you. You're all in the world, right? You're still here? Okay, good. All right, let's go to the book of 2 John. Now we are, wow, we're coming close to the very end of our Route 66 series. 66 books of the Bible, and we are in 2 John and 3 John tonight. And then we'll only have two left, Jude and Revelation. Looking forward to Revelation. One thing I do know about Revelation is not a revelation of the end times. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amen. The book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's how it starts off. So uh, let's remember that. Really, Jesus is the sole uh, focus, the centrality of the scriptures. He says, these scriptures that you read, they testify of me. Amen. So 2 John, 2 John. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. It's only one chapter, and 3 John is only one chapter. So uh, let's begin. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Isn't that good news? Grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. Everybody say truth and love. 
Now we've got to must remember in truth and love. It's not just truth, it's truth and love. All right? So I rejoiced greatly, verse 4, that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. What's the commandment? That we love one another. Amen. This is love. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Okay, so he said, I'm just reminding you of what this is all about. This is love. This is love. Earlier in 1 John, we read that John said, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. We wouldn't know how to love if we hadn't been first loved. Amen. But once we understand that the real love is the fact that God loved us. You know, that's what Christians really need to focus on more than anything else. Not their love for him, but his love for them. Amen. And when you are fully engulfed in that revelation, that awareness, that understanding that God loves me, Wow, that'll free you up in life. It really will. It'll cause you to walk in such a level of freedom and excitement and happiness and joy, knowing that no matter what, God Almighty loves you. And the Scripture says there is nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from His love. And so he's just reminding this lady who possibly is a a leader in the church, maybe even a pastor. It's the only book... Uh, in the Bible that is addressed specifically to a woman. Now, all of it is for women, right, and men, but this one is specifically to a lady, and um, we don't know really much about her. Uh, And it says, I think it's interesting, it starts off with the word the elder. Um, It wasn't an uncommon thing even for the apostles to refer to themselves as elders. Let me just throw a quick quick scripture reference at you, 1 Peter 5.1, Peter's speaking, and he says, the elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So there, there are some who say that the fact that the word elder is here casts some doubt of it being actually authentically John writing it. Um, but uh, the early century writers, the early church, all agreed that he was the author of it. So uh, it was written sh- shortly after 1 John, or this is somewhere around AD 90. This is after, remember, this is where John has been exiled uh, to the island of Patmos and, um, because they couldn't kill him, so they didn't know what to do. I mean, they boiled him in oil and he didn't die. So they <laughs> said, okay, well, then we're just going to exile you. And that's where John wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation, in the book of Revelation. All right? So, uh, just to give you a background of where this is coming from. And uh, as I said, it's the only letter that was specifically written to a woman. It seems she's a leader or a pastor. And it, and it appears that she has, had writ- that she has written, actually, uh, to John to ask his opinion about certain problems that had come up. And so as we go through this, we're going to see how it also answers many of the questions that maybe some of you have and today, especially the question of how do we approach or treat people who teach the wrong things? And, uh, you know, uh, we, we just get a sword out and execute them. That's a joke. Okay. <laughs> no, that's what ISIS does. That's not what we do. The, we love them. The first six verses. 
Listen, the first six verses present uh, this problem to us, and God, I mean, God, well, God through John, uh, and his approach in answering it. And he brings her right back to the basics, to love one another, to stay in. Now watch this. Now we're going to see the answer to her question. Look at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. And remember how John tackled that with the argument in, in 1 John, uh, the whole Gnosticism and, and the belief that there is no value to the flesh, so there's no sinful condition, so there's no use for God to come in the flesh because we're already at the apex, the nirvana of spirituality. All right, so John says, wait, 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 wait. We saw this man. We heard him. We handled him with our hands. He's the word of life. So that's a bunch of bunk. All right, so he, he was there to set the record straight. And verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we work for, that we may receive a full reward. Now, I want to just say some of this was uh, mistranslated when it came to either the word you or we. Really, what this should say in the original, it says, Look to yourselves that you do not lose those things that you worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. I don't know why it got switched around. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Did you catch that? All right, so apparently there's some, some false teachers that have come in, and so this lady writes this letter to John asking him for his guidance and, 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 and help here. So he says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Let's say that together, the Father and the Son. Now listen to me. That's important that we remember this because there are, there are religions out there, one of, the, one of the large religions of the world called Islam, who actually refutes what John just said here. I want to just give you a popular thing that they say. As a matter of fact, they say it all over the world. Muslims say this all over the world. Allah is not a father or Allah is not a father and does not have a son. So think about it. It actually couldn't exist without Christianity existing. So it's subservient to what we believe. The fact that they have to make that statement is just a fight against the real thing. All right? It cannot exist all in and all, of, all by itself because Christianity has to exist. Their whole mantra is Allah is not a father and he has no son. It's, it's, atheism is the same way. I'm an atheist, anti-God. Oh, so if God doesn't exist, then why do you call yourself anti-God? It shouldn't matter to you if he doesn't exist. I don't know why people don't think. Okay, verse 10, it's ludicrous. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Did you see that? If anyone comes to you and does, and does not bring this doctrine, that is that which I just brought to you, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So, now listen to me. He's not talking about someone who is confused, someone who has questions. He's talking about people who are intentionally deceiving people. All right? Intentionally. Out for people's harm. All right? Okay. So first you have to recognize the nature of, of the error. Two things are said here that describe the fundamental types of Christian perversions. Um, and so all Christian er error and heresies really gather about one or another issue. There, there's basically two. 
First of all, there are those who are deceived about the person of the Lord Jesus. There is uh, one sign of the true Redeemer and Savior, and he is the one who came from God into the world and became man. And the incarnation is an essential doctrine of our Christian faith. Would you all agree with that? The fact that God became a man, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if someone claims not to believe in the incarnation of the Lord Jesus, then, then that person is in error. Um, no matter what else they may say, <laughs> he's not speaking for God at that, at that moment. I mean, you have to have that essential down. Y'all remember me talking to you about when I was in uh, Mexico City uh, a couple of years ago with, with Chris Quinones, and we were doing a pastor's conference out there, and the, the, the pastor's son was actually a former uh, student at Christ for the Nations, and he was t- <laughs> telling us that his sister, who's pastor's daughter, right? She goes and picks up this, she's riding home, and she, there's a lady who needs a ride, doesn't know the lady, so she, she gets the lady in the car, and she's talking to her, and, and she's taking this moment, this opportunity, maybe to just share her faith with the lady. And so she opens up and talks to her about it. She says, are you a Christian? And the lady says, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that Jesus uh, was born of a virgin. To which this girl said, I don't believe that either. What are you talking about? I mean, it takes two to tango, right? And so my friend Jesse's like, you said what? You're the pastor's daughter and you don't believe in the virgin birth? Well, she, she actually didn't know that she believed, <laughs> believed it. Somehow something got missed in translation, uh, so, lost in translation. So anyway, so they had to help her understand. No, 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 that's essential to our belief. <laughs> it's funny. So you, there's somebody that just wasn't aware, didn't know. She wasn't intentionally trying to deceive somebody. She's actually trying to win them. So, if, so all throughout the New Testament letters, the apostles of the Lord, they they really set the incarnation of Christ as center of our Christian theology and the word became flesh. And so everything else gathers around that, the person of the Lord Jesus. So John says if a man doesn't say that, no matter what else he may say, this guy's a deceiver and uh, he's not out for your good. And Now, he may be deceived as, as well as being a, a deceiver himself, but uh, this is still an antichrist influence, antichrist spirit at work, so because he's against the doctrine of Jesus. Therefore, he is to be recognized for what he is. Uh, there's another type of error, however, that gathers around a misunderstanding or false conception of the teaching of Jesus, of the Lord. And look at verse 9 again. It says, whoever transgresses, transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and and the Son. So this is, this is very real, revealing. And uh, that takes care of all the groups that hold that the Bible is not an adequate revelation of God and say we need something else. You know, um, a, a very, another popular cult out there called Mormonism is the same way. They have what, their book called Another Testament of Jesus Christ, which they claim, their claim is that when Jesus died, that those three days he was translated to the Americas, to North American continent, and preached for three days, all right, and established another testament or another gospel of Jesus Christ, the American Jesus, <laughs> the American gospel. And so, um, so everything's based on, based on this, this claim that, that the Bible is not whole in and of itself. We have another Thing. And remember what Paul said, right, about that. In Galatians chapter 1, he says, If we 
or an angel from heaven comes and preaches to you any other gospel than that which you've already received, let him be accursed. This, we've given you everything that God wants you to have. So don't buy into anything else because this is the truth. And there are going to be people out there that try to take you away from the truth. Right? That's, that's the devil's work in the earth. And so he's saying, listen, even if I come back and preach something different, uh-uh, don't listen to me. Even if an angel from heaven comes and tells you, don't listen to that. And Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, his whole thing was, he says, an angel came from heaven and gave him another testament. I'm like, that's exactly what the Bible warns us against. How do they not see that if they claim to be true Bible believers? So uh, there's all these, all these systems, man-made systems, twisted and, and counterfeits and perversions of the real thing. But there, the thing that all of those things have in common, all religions of the world, because Christianity just, it cannot be categorized with all the other religions because it's not like any other religion. It is completely opposite of all other religions. In this, in the essence of it is because it is God coming to us. God built a road through his son. Jesus said, I am the way, right? I'm the truth. That road that God built to us that reconciled us to God and only God could do that work of reconciliation. These other religions are men building roads to God, all right? And that's flawed from the very beginning because man is flawed because he's born in sin. So no man can ever attain to what God needs, what he requires as a holy and perfect and just God. And God, knowing that, chose not to leave us helpless. He helped us by giving us Jesus, all right? So, that, that helped clear, so that's what separates this from all other religions of the world. As, as the, the wonderful, beautiful lady Oprah says, it doesn't matter what you believe, you know, all roads lead to God. They do, but they go to God that you don't want to see. That's called God the judge. No, <laughs> they're all going to end up at the judge. But there's one road that not that man can build or construct, but one that God built to man, and that takes you to eternal life. That takes you to the Father, not the judge, the Father. Amen. So we have to deal with this man, Jesus, don't we? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the love. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, either he was completely out of his mind, because when Jesus said that, he canceled out every other religion. Every other belief system, he canceled all of it out and says, this is it. There's nothing outside of me. Either he is a raging lunatic, or he was God in the flesh. And as the great theologian Bono from U2 says, he says, you have to deal with the man Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, you have to deal with him. Because he doesn't allow you. He doesn't allow you to kind of skirt around and, and say, oh, he was a good man. No, not if he was lying. He wasn't a good man if he was lying. Oh, yeah, he was a prophet. He was a false prophet if he was lying. Mm, he either is who he said he was, or we are wasting our time here. And there are many people today who say that the teachings of the scriptures are old, out of date, infantile. Modern man has grown beyond all this and can no longer accept these simplistic teachings of the Bible. And so the modern mind finds satisfaction in more scientific approaches, and it cannot rest upon these simple things. I think it's interesting that those who say that haven't really tried it. 
How can you say that if you don't first believe this and experience it? It's all those on the outside. You know, and the truth is, a man with an argument is at the mercy of a man with an experience. Argue all day long. But if you could just experience Jesus like I've experienced him, if you could understand this love that is, it's amazing. And this grace that continues to be heaped up on us again and again and to experience a love like we've never known. If, if people could just really get a taste of it. Amen. Someone who goes beyond the gospel, they depart from the true revelation of Jesus. Considering it too simple or whatever, or then try to add something to the teachings of the word. I want to read a scripture to you right quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Now, Paul is specifically dealing with a problem in this Corinthian church, and it was the problem of sectarianism. That's just a fancy word for division. <laughs> it's those who have divided themselves into sects of groups based on who they liked as a teacher. Some would say, well, I listened to Apollos, and some would say, I listened to Peter, and some would say, well, I listened to Paul, and Paul says, you're all babies for saying that. I love that. In, first, in Corinthians, he, <laughs> he just says it straight up. All right? Basically, the message to the Corinthian church is grow up, you bunch of babies. Grow up. Get beyond these, these childish things. You get off in these little cliques. I mean, you guys all went back to high school again. All right? And so he's saying, listen, this is not about who your favorite teacher is. We're all the same. There's not one greater than the other. But so he's saying, listen, guys, don't, don't, don't go beyond what you've been taught. And look at verse 6 of 1 Corinthians 4. He says, now these things, brethren, I have figuratively, figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written. Now I want to say something about that because he's saying, I don't want you to think beyond what I've already written to you. All right? Don't go outside of that and don't mistranslate or misunderstand what we have said to you. It is what it is. We've told you straight up. But I think that this is a truth that we all need to embrace as Christians every day of our lives and in situations that we come into, you know, and where we come to this place not to think beyond what is written. God has given you his word, and he's given you plenty to think about so that you can stay in truth, so that you don't wander off into something else and think beyond what he has written for you. That you keep coming back to the to the. The, the truth of the word and say, but what does the scripture say? Because that's what, that's the final authority in my life. Like it or not, <laughs> huh? Like it or not. Mark, what, did, what did Mark Twain say about the Bible? He said, it's not the, the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand that trouble me. Right? <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, Okay. So what happens if you fall into these kind of errors? Look at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we, or that you do not lose those things which you work for, that you may receive a full reward. You know, that's interesting. Because Corinthians talks about uh, receiving rewards, right? And those the, the good works that we do, they will be tested by fire. And those that, that shine through the fire, right, that don't get burned off, those works that are, that are truly good works from God, working through you, 
those will reap your reward. But then the other stuff that's just fluff, the wood, he, he likened it to wood, hay, and straw, the stuff that's flammable, that burns away. Um, then you, you lose on that. And so this is what this is talking about, our works. You know, because I, I don't believe that if somebody gets off, I mean, that, that can happen. Somebody that's not grounded in the scriptures, but they believe on Jesus. You know, but they've, they've accepted some other things. I, I personally, let me just give you my opinion, I don't think you lose your salvation that way. This is my opinion. Take it for what it's worth because Jesus is the author of eternal salvation. All right? You just got to remember that, that he saved us to the uttermost. But I, do know, but I do believe this. You will waste a lot of time on this earth. A lot of time on this earth. When you could be doing something meaningful and something storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? As Maximus from Gladiator said, Gentlemen, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What you do in life echoes in eternity. That what you do for God, it will live on and on and on and on. If you're really born again, again, of course, that's what I mean. That so, because that rests upon Christ's work for you, not your work. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, right? By His work. Us going to heaven is not a reward for something that we've done. Us going to heaven is Jesus' reward for what He did for us. You're all His reward. Amen. Can't earn it. Just believe it. But you do lose a great deal. You lose the value of your life spent here, wasting your time. You throw away precious moments and years involved in what, that which is utterly worthless. And, you know, we found that to be true um, when we uh, went to Uganda last, when we, last week, a week and a half ago, however long ago that was now. Alex and I found that culturally, even the Christians, even the church, has embraced witchcraft in a lot of the things that they do. And so um, they just kind of mingle the things together and don't make that separation. And so as a result, they've welcomed a lot of trouble in their lives. And, um, and so that's why we have to be adamant, right, to preach this good news that it's the gospel. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. When I was in India uh, years ago, um, I found out that... that the, the people there, based on what they believe, what, based on Hinduism, they have many, many gods. So Indians quickly are receptive of the gospel because it's just like, yeah, another god, I'll take him. But, so then you have to explain to them, no, you have to actually abandon all the other gods. This is the only god, right? He's not one of many. He's the only true god. Amen. Amen. we got to go to 3 John right quick. Ooh, I'm running out of time. Are you, are you all right? Can you take a little more? 3 yeah. John. 3 John shows us something of the problem of personalities within the church. Yay, yay, yay. And there are three people mentioned here that I just want to talk about for just a moment. There is a man named Gaius. Gaius? Gaius? I don't know. We'll call him Gus just for fun. Uh, and that's to whom this letter is written. And another man named Diotrephes, let's all make a friend of that name, Diotrephes. You know, you're, half of you are a good class. And a third individual by the name of Demetrius. All right, so we have Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. So these three men are like three kinds of believers found in church. 
and which, which really makes this very relevant to where we are today. So there's this man named Gaius, and, and this, Gus, I should say, this may be one of the three uh, Gaiuses mentioned somewhere else in the New Testament, although he was, uh, that name was a common name in the New Testament times, as John is, or, or Jacob. In any case, John evidently knew him and addresses this letter to him in a very warm and friendly way. And I want you to notice some things that it says about this man. Because he opens it up, 3 John chapter 1, and says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Uh, Next, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. We all like that verse, right? That you prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. All right, so uh, one of the first things that we see about this man is that John commends the fact that he has a prosperous soul. We're not talking about the spirit. We're talking about the soul, all right? We're talking about the soul of the man, that, that which is made up is mind, the will, the emotions, the imaginations, that part of you as a being, all right? And he's saying, you, are a, you got a whole soul, man, and I hope that what's happening on the outside of your life, what's known in this flesh, that you're healthy in your body, that it reflects that healthy soul that you have. Hmm? That you prosper and that you be in health, even as your soul prospers. Next, verse 3, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. So check this out. This guy also had the character of not only speaking the truth, but walking in the truth. He talked the walk and he walked the talk. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Verse 5, beloved, uh, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. So now he's commended for his generosity, his generous giving. Verse 7, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. So John is saying, as we send different guys there, as different teachers come in and, and, and declare the word of God, he said, Gaius, man, you have been faithful to sow into them, to financially bless them, and to take care of them, and send them on in their, uh, in their journey, blessed of God. That's a good thing, that you receive those and, uh, and to honor them. Well, then there's Diotrephes, verse, <laughs> verse 9. This is an interesting dude. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. I would not want to be Diotrephes when the Apostle John shows up. I mean, this guy, what does he look like after he's been boiled in oil, for one thing, right? He's a tough dude. This is the man who, when all the other disciples scattered and ran for their lives as Jesus was being crucified, John's right there at the foot of the cross. He ain't afraid of nothing. He's not afraid of the Roman Empire. He's an extraordinary man. He says, so I'm going to have a meeting with him. And uh, prating against us with malicious words and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. So Diotrephes, 
may have been an elder or a deacon or something like that, or maybe even a pastor. I don't, we don't know. It's difficult to tell, but he took on the role of telling everyone else in the church what to do. And John indicates here that Diotrephes was guilty of some very particular wrongs, wrong attitudes and, and actions. For one thing, John says this man was guilty of slandering the apostle, prating against us with malicious words. He refused the authority of the apostle John. Now, let, let me just remind us here today. Now, we read the story about the, the apostles, you know, Peter, James, John, and they walked with, with Jesus, and sometimes we read their story and we think, you guys are numbskulls, right? Even Jesus would be like, how long have I been with you guys? When are you going to get this? Because we're reading it. They're living in that moment. We have the luxury of lead, reading it, you know, 2,000 years later and go, morons. But what if you were living in that moment? I have to admit, I'd probably be the moron in the group. Right? I mean, these guys, sometimes they were just so out of touch, right? Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, he's saying, beware of their influence. And they start looking around going, oh, man, he's mad. We didn't bring any bread on this trip. Are you serious? Another time, they're arguing with one another as they're walking along, and they're arguing with one another about who's the greatest of them all. And it's interesting, Jesus, as they get into town, he says, what were you guys talking about back there? Now, I'm paraphrasing, but this is basically what it is. What were you all talking about? And none of them would answer him. Of course, I, oh, we were trying to figure out who's the coolest Jesus. I mean, who wants to admit that to him? <laughs> so Jesus, just so they knew that he knew, he said, listen, if any of you desires to be the greatest, when you become the least, you become the greatest. When you become the servant of all, that's when you become the greatest. When you completely demote yourself. Huh? Amen. So, <laughs> yeah, so they're not the most astute. But my family, they're worthy of honor. Because the scripture says that their names are on the foundation. Right? Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone their names, our names aren't on the foundation. Their names are, all right? So if you reject their authority, really, you're ultimately rejecting God. And so that's what he's calling to mind about Diotrephes, that he has this kind of obstinance and this audacity to speak against this leader and just act like, and not, not only speak against him, but, but with malicious words. That's not going to be good for anybody. And then he says, uh, he says that he refused to welcome the brethren who came, those who come to teach and, and to help build the church and to encourage them when they're those traveling ministers who went from place to place. And uh, he, Diotrephes had nothing to do with them. Not only that, he, if anybody there wanted to be hospitable to these guys, he would throw them out of the church. I mean, just a divisive dude. And then, so we have these, these things about him that aren't good, but all those offenses committed by him stem from what John mentioned the very first about him, that he loves to have preeminence. That is, he put himself first. He loved to be first, which is the dead giveaway that he was purely acting in the flesh. And this is always the philosophy of the flesh, isn't it? Me first. I need me time. I need me selfie. Hmm? Now, I'm not talking about anybody here. I know none of you are like that. 
I'm talking about other people that go to other churches. Nobody here does that. I know that. You guys are perfect in every way. <laughs> Finally, the third man mentioned here is Demetrius. And all we know of him is what John says here in verse 12. Demetrius has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. Wow. He says, I want to underscore what everybody else is saying about this man. That here's a man that you can trust. Here's a man of the truth. He has borne testimony from all around him that he is to be trusted. I'm grateful to God for people like that in my life. Hmm? People that you can trust. Demetrius, was, he was a, known to do the right thing. He's a good guy. What a great testimony, huh? What a great testimony. I want to be known for that. I want to be known for that. A guy who does the right thing. Huh? Now, I'm not perfect at it. I'm working on it, though. You're not perfect at it either, so you don't have to look at me like that. <laughs> We're all works in prog progress. Amen? All right? But the more we grow up in, in God, the more we reflect him, the more time we spend with him, and we spend time in his word, and we spend time in prayer and worshiping him, the more we look like him, the more we act like him. It's a beautiful thing. And lastly, verses 13 and 14, he says, I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write you with pen and ink, but I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. I want you to just imagine for, the, for just a moment that this is Jesus talking to you. I've written with pen and ink what I want to tell you now. But what I really want to do is see you. In a very short while, I'm going to see you face to face. As Peter said, we love him and we haven't seen him. But we know him. We know him by faith. We know him because we experience his love. But what a day it's going to be when we see him for who he is. When we see Jesus in all of his glory. Think about it. When we actually look the person of love. We talk about love. We say we love one another. But when you see the essence of love itself face to face, what a glorious, glorious day that's going to be. Because we experience the effects of it. To love one another. And it feels good to be loved. And it feels good to love others. But wow, to see the source of it. God is love. Amen. So it's interesting, isn't it, that we've seen warnings. With all the encouragement and with all the, the teaching and that we have from the apostle, our apostle Paul, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, and we can learn from the other guys too, Peter and James and John. But isn't it interesting, all of them take time to tell you, don't get off the truth. Stay in love, stay in truth. Because there are deceivers in this world. The enemy is doing whatever he can to destroy, to divide, and, and to ultimately take out this message. Because, see, he doesn't get to participate in mercy and love and grace. So he does what he can to make us all busy to try to... You know, religion is the seed of the devil. That's his invention. Once Adam and Eve believed him, they started their own religion. 
I know what we can do. We'll cover up. We'll sew these fig leaves together, and then we can still go on. We'll, we'll, we'll sew this together, and, and then we'll make ourselves look presentable to God. They were already presentable to God. But the, immediately, that seed started at work. That religion started at work. What do I need to do to fix myself? You can't do anything to fix yourself. You need to turn to the one, the only one who can fix you. He can be trusted. I've lived life long enough to know God can be trusted. He's been very good to me. Huh? He's been very good to me. He's been very good to me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That even when we're faithless, the scripture says, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Mm -mm -mm. I'm grateful to God. And I'm grateful for these, for these men who took the time to help us understand that what we have received from God is all we need. There is no greater revelation out there. There is no other testament. There is no greater thing. We've received the greatest thing. Now get it in you and live it. Hmm? Live it. Let me just remind you today that the church, that Christianity, Christians themselves are the most generous people on the entire planet. We're the most giving people that because, the, because the love of God flows through his people in the earth. And uh, the church is stronger today than it has ever been. It was awesome to go to the other side of the world and see God moving in people over there too, our brothers and sisters over there. I mean, his, the church is thriving. And you know what? Listen to me. Don't be concerned. Don't be concerned with the pressure of the media and social media and the whole world, you know, talking down about the church and blah, 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 blah. Listen, the more pressure that they put, the more persecution that comes at, at the church, my family, that only makes her stronger. So I say bring, I say bring it on. Amen. Bring it on. Don't let that trouble you. Be encouraged because she's just starting to flex her muscles then. Every time throughout history the church comes under heavy persecution, it, it thrives. You'd think the devil would figure that out after a while and stop, but he's dumb. So it just thrives, thrives, gets stronger. So I say, y'all keep talking, keep, keep, keep doing it, just keep doing it, just keep doing it. Amen. And we're going to grow. We're going to keep growing in your face. Hallelujah. Because Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hell can throw everything it's got at it. It ain't going to prevail. Huh? You are part of the biggest, strongest, most awesome thing in the earth called the body of Christ, the church of the living God. All right? Amen. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. And be encouraged to do your part in that. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to speak and to declare God's goodness in the earth. What is that good news? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Bam, there it is. Whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. It's a beautiful story. I never get tired of the gospel. It just keeps new dimensions, new glorious things come from it. Amen. Let's stand. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ.
who took it upon himself to take all the blame for our failures, to take all the blame for our faults, our sins. Lord, your word says even when we were without strength, Christ died for us. Even when we were enemies with God, Christ died for us. When we were far away, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord. Which means your love is not measured by our actions or attitudes. You love us regardless. You love us because you love us. Whether men are shaking their fist at heaven or whether people are just drowning in their own trouble and sorrow, you love us all. You love us all with an everlasting love. And I want to say thank you. Thank you, God, that you chose me. Thank you that you chose all of my family here, that you brought us out of darkness and brought us into your marvelous light. Thank you for your amazing grace that where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And for that, we are forever grateful. I thank you, God, that your blessing is on your people as they go from here tonight, that you have made them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, victors, never victims. Thank you that they go, Lord, strong in the Lord and in the power of his might a people who carry this great message of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank you, Lord. You just got over sin because Jesus paid it all. Thank you, Lord, for that. And Lord, I thank you that that tonight when they go home and they get settled down, they lay on their beds tonight, that they will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make them dwell in safety. And then when they rise in the morning, they'll rise with a song, Lord, on their their lips. And God prays in their hearts. I thank you, Father God, that this people shall know their God. They shall be strong and do great exploits in the earth. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.